very mystical and magical and wonderful. I realize that money is just pieces of paper and discs of metal, but from a very young age, I was aware that those papers and discs were powerful. They could be exchanged for other things. You could turn them into just about anything. This was amazing to me. You could actually walk into a store, hand somebody some green pieces of paper, and then take something from the store to bring home with you, to keep. Incredible. And the more of that green paper you had, I quickly learned, the more stuff you could bring home. Wow, what a fantastic idea. I wanted to get as much of that green paper as possible. I never had many toys when I was little. My parents didn't have much money back then. Whenever I asked for something, they would give me the old line, it costs too much, or money doesn't grow on trees. Maybe that's why all I ever wanted was to accumulate as much money as I could. We learned in school that King Tut became the ruler of all Egypt when he was about my age, eleven. He owned all the treasures of the kingdom. Bill Gates, I know, started Microsoft when he was barely twenty, and it wasn't long before he became the richest person in the world. Why not me? I asked myself. Why can't I, Gina Tomolo, accumulate a vast fortune at a very young age? What's stopping me? Nothing. Other kids want to be in the Olympics, or they want to become rock stars or presidents. Good for them. I want to be a millionaire. My goal is to make my first million before I'm a teenager. This is the story of the most amazing summer I ever had. It was the summer I started the Get Rich Quick Club. A Simple Solution I live in Farmington, Maine, which is about 30 miles from Augusta. That's the state capital. It was dreary the day after school let out for the summer. I was bored and lonely. There's a field out back behind our housing development with one big tree in it. I was walking around, trying to think of something to do with my summer, when I spotted something in the tree. I went to get a better look. As I got closer, I realized the thing in the tree was Rob Honeycutt. He lives a couple of houses over and goes to my school. Rob was in the other fifth grade class. Rob was sitting up in the tree, and sitting next to him was his pet pig, Chester. Not many kids own a pig, but Rob is a little, I guess you could say, unusual. He has wild blonde hair, and I'm not sure he knows what a comb is. What you doing? I asked. Existing, Rob replied. Chester and I are inhaling air and letting it escape into the atmosphere. Why are you doing it in a tree? I asked. Well, I was thinking that one day this tree might get cut down and made into a fence or a cardboard box or somebody's garage. I wanted to enjoy it while it was still alive. Okay. Maybe unusual isn't the best term to describe Rob. In truth, most kids think he's a bit of a yo-yo. Sometimes when he says things like that, I think he's putting me on, but I know he isn't. Rob just sees the world differently from other people. He's probably a genius. Why don't you join us? Rob suggested. Chester likes company. 
I didn't have anything better to do. I found a low branch that I could dig a sneaker into and climbed up on the tree, giving Chester a pat on the top of his head. The pig oinked contentedly. Are you going to camp this summer? I asked Rob. My folks don't believe in camps, he replied. I remembered that Rob's parents were real back-to-nature types. They say planned activity in an artificial environment stifles creativity. I wish I was going to camp, I said. I waited the whole school year for summer to come, and now I have nothing to do. This is going to be the most boring summer ever. You know, a person's average life expectancy is less than 80 years, Rob informed me. That's 80 summers of living. We've already used up 11, more than one-eighth of our lives. I had never looked at it that way. Rob was always thinking of things that made you look at the world in a new way. In this case, it only made me depressed. It reminded me that I would be 12 in a year, and I wasn't even close to making my first million. Good day, mates. The voice came from below. Rob and I immediately knew it was Quincy Biddle. Quincy is a girl who moved here from Australia in the middle of fifth grade. G'day, mates, is the way Australians say hello. Lovely, Avo, Quincy said. Mind if I join the chinwag? I had an appointment at the Fang Carpenter to adjust my railway tracks. Or, nice afternoon. May I join the conversation? I had my braces adjusted by the orthodontist. Australians speak English, but sometimes it's hard to tell. They use a lot of words that don't exactly make sense in America. Like when Quincy says the phrase, dead horse, she's not talking about a horse that is dead. She means tomato sauce. It was a little weird the first time I went through the lunch line next to her on pizza day. You know how Eskimos have about 50 different words to say snow? Well, Australians have about 50 different ways to say stupid. If somebody is stupid, you can call them a drongo. Isn't that a great word? Or you can call them a boofhead or a ning-nong. Here are some other words Quincy taught us to use in place of stupid. Gumby, nit, elf, mug, deadhead, dipstick, wombat, dill, dag, and rat bag. You'd be surprised how often this comes in handy in everyday conversation. Rob invited Quincy to join us, and she climbed the tree. Rob, Chester, and I moved over to make room for her. Any bodies up here? Quincy asked. Cripes, I'm stroppy. I just got off the blower with my crumblies. They live out in Whoop Whoop, and they must have ear-bashed me for an hour. It seems they got into a bingle, and their Toyota's jigged. Now it's not with a crumpet, and they can't flog it. Grandpa's as angry as a frog in a sock. Or... Any bugs up here? Good grief, I'm in a bad mood. I've just got off the phone with my grandparents. They live out in the middle of nowhere, and they must have talked for an hour. They got into an accident, and their Toyota's broken. Now it's worthless, and they can't sell it. Grandpa's very mad. Man, I could listen to Quincy talk all day. Blimey, Quincy exclaimed. Some ankle biters have lobbed over. Or, Don, some little kids have arrived. I looked down to see two little kids. It was the Boggle Twins, Eddie and Teddy. They're eight and annoying. Eddie was holding a big wooden box in his hand. What you doing in the tree? Teddy asked. Trying to hide from you, gerbils, I replied. Can we climb up? 
they asked simultaneously. No, Rob, Quincy, and I replied. Chester oinked. They didn't go away. I knew they wouldn't. The Boggle Twins never go away. They're like those inflatable punching bags. No matter how many times you knock them down, they always come back for more punishment. What's in the box? I asked Eddie. I'll tell you if you let us up. It's against the law for second graders to climb trees, Rob informed the twins. It is not, Teddy countered. I climb trees all the time. The police haven't caught you yet, I said. Once they do, they'll throw you in jail. I don't want to go to jail, wailed Eddie. Oh, come on up and have a posse. Or, oh, come on up and have a seat, Quincy said, extending her hand to them. Eddie stopped crying immediately, the little faker. Okay, we'll let you up, I said. So what's in the box? Eddie opened the box. It was filled with clumpy dust, like what you'd find if you opened up a vacuum cleaner bag. It's from my mommy's clothes dryer, he explained. She lets me clean the lint screen. You collect dryer dust? Quincy asked, unbelieving. Sure, Teddy said. Soon we'll need a bigger box. Rob, Quincy, and I looked at one another. These boggles were weird. My grandpa planted this tree, you know, Eddie told us. He throwed a seed into a hole in the ground right here and planted it himself. Is that the fair dinkum? Or, is that the truth? Quincy asked. Rob and I rolled our eyes. We both knew the Boggle twins were compulsive liars who would make up any kind of nutty story that came to their minds. I had already heard that the Boggle